Do you have dance parents at your studio or school that drive you completely crazy? I know dance parents can be super challenging and I've heard coaches say things like, I love everything about teaching dance except the parents. So let's talk about dance parents. I'm Dr. Chelsea. Today, I brought on a special guest to help me talk about sport parents. Her name is Dr. Megan Babkes Stellino, and she's actually my academic mentor. That means she was my advisor when I was getting my PhD, and she was the one who encouraged me to research with dancers, which was still relatively new at the time, and so much of my love and knowledge for sports psychology came from Megan. So I'm really excited to share her with you. This is a big full circle moment for me. But it's not just about me. I brought her on because she is an expert in sport parents. She researches this. She has this incredible way of helping us understand where parents are coming from, but also give the coaches and the teachers some practical advice on how to develop positive relationships where those dance parents respect you as the coach, but can stay firmly in their lane as the parent. Dr. Megan and I talk about how you can change your parent handbooks for the better, uh, how parents often believe that winning and fun are the same thing, and they also believe that effort can only be seen through trophies and public recognition. And of course, we know better. As you'll hear, we had so much to share. This will actually be part one, and we'll come back with part two soon. So as you're listening, if you have questions or stories to share, please send me an email or a voice note at chelseaparati.com slash message. I would love to hear from all of you about how dance parents are challenging you so that Dr. Megan and I can help. But before we get there, here's part one, all about how you can cultivate a positive relationship with your dance parents. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Hi, Dr. Megan. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm happy to have you. Happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Of course. As I said, I'm so excited to have someone from my academic life kind of joining me in the dance world. Um, It's exciting to bring that piece to it. So will you uh, tell my audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Above and beyond being privileged to be your former uh, PhD advisor. (laughs) Um, I I think the best way to encapsulate who I am, um, I have this like silly but very salient moniker of professor sport mom. And I sort of use it as a hashtag of all the things that um, converge together to probably have brought me here to speak to you. So let's see, I just finished my 22nd year on faculty as a full professor at University of Northern Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, my research is focused on social influences like parents, coaches, um, officials, grandparents, <laughs> aunts, <laughs> uncles, teammates, peers, and motivation in um, young athletes and performers. I am a former Division One collegiate gymnast. And I am a mom to two kids, 
they're currently 16 and 13 years old, respectively, avid, competitive <laughs> in all the spaces, um, athletes, academics, um, you know, all around great kids so far, yeah. knock on wood. Absolutely. Yeah. No, they're wonderful. I like that. The um, professor sport mom. That's very true. That's the right, like, you're right. Captures all the really big, important things. Um, so I asked you to come talk to me because I know a lot of the coaches who are listening, the teachers in studios are struggling to have really successful relationships with their dancers' parents, that there seems to be this contention a lot. You know, sometimes they get along great. Sometimes the parents are wonderful, but they can be challenging and trying to help the coaches and the teachers figure out like, how can we have a better relationship with parents or how do I deal with the parents or do I have to even deal with the parents? Can I just ignore it? Uh, so I figured this is a great opportunity uh, to have you and I kind of talk about sport parents. And when I shared with my community that I was going to have you here, I was like, and she's a you know expert in like sport parenting. I'm like, and that's a thing that <laughs> there is this whole body of research and applied work on sport parenting that just doesn't get communicated. So I love what you're doing and being able to really take the research into the real world. Let's talk like real parents, real athletes. How do we kind of help this relationship? So uh, in order to kind of talk about this, I, I looked up some kind of quotes or myths, like all the memes out there about sport parents. There's a lot of people uh, kind of making fun of sport parents or dealing with it. And so we could kind of talk through those and see what is real and what's not, or like the message that's being put out there. So the first one that I hear sport coaches tell me all the time is these coaches will say like, I need a 15 page parent handbook and it gets longer every year. Every year I just have to keep adding to it. And it's just, there's so much work that needs to be put into this handbook because of parents. To me, that feels like, okay, we're just going to keep adding rules. Every time I have an issue, I'm going to keep adding more and more rules and keep adding more and more boundaries. But, uh, thoughts on the gigantic handbooks and if we need to just keep adding rules and boundaries to parents. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so much there. The need to create boundaries and a common understanding and expectations. And really it boils down to roles and, and understanding what is the role of the coach? What is the role of the parent? Oftentimes those are super blurred in, in both places. I recently just heard this and I, it was jaw dropping that uh, parents coaching from the sidelines or the stands or <laughs> the audience um, is, is leaning towards being considered informal coaching, which I was like, no, 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 please <laughs> let's not define it as such. Yeah. No, no, so no. I, I, yeah. I think it's a really, really blurry space. Um, so I'll back up a little bit. I think one of the most important considerations when we start trying to inform and educate and create these considerations about how coaches can relate to parents and maybe create some inclusivity uh, simultaneous with boundaries is, mm -hmm. is establishing some kind of foundation and premise. And one of the most provocative foundations, in my opinion, is that we don't get the opportunity to coach, to lead, to study, to understand um, anything really about 
youth sport and dance and extracurricular activities among um, children and adolescents if parents don't provide that opportunity for their kids. So I, I want that like loud and clear, you know, I feel like I need it on a shirt, right. Of all things, (laughs) (laughs) but that's my, that's my reminder of, of at the end of the day, good, bad, or indifferent in terms of parents and what they're doing and, and how some of them are amazing and some of them are awful and everything in between is that we don't get the opportunity to even talk about this. Why would it matter if parents weren't willing to provide that opportunity for their children to engage in these contexts where we're ultimately having a struggle with the parents themselves? Yeah. Yeah. So I I didn't exactly answer your question there, but I want to get that out first. No, I think that's important. You're right. Because we get caught up as coaches and as teachers as like, I'm, I need to do my job and I'm here to do, be the best coach I could be and make them the best athlete they can be and the parents in the way. But ultimately the parent is the only reason this is happening in the first place that the parent was able to provide this. And yeah, no, I think it's a good, good, important piece to it. But then maybe that leads to some of the parents thinking they have more of a role than they should, which is what you were saying about like the sideline coaching or the informal coaching. And that's like, no, no, no. Like there has to be a a boundary of like, I'm grateful for your participation, but also stay over there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I I think that having that, you know, front and center, probably, possibly, hypothetically, could actually reduce this, the length and the, I almost want to say that the severity of these handbooks, right? Right. Like it would, it would really dissipate. And and my go-to in this is yes, I'm a researcher and a professor and I'm also a mom. So Mm -hmm. I always put myself, you know, in that role when I'm talking about this almost, you know, automatically, like I'm like, well, do I need to reel that back in? But, but I, I literally would soften everything about being a mama bear kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's another meme, right? If I were to first have acknowledgement from coaches and teachers and the the other adults that are in this space where my kids are pursuing these extracurricular activities, if they approached me with, hey, thanks for letting me impact your child, you know, I wouldn't get to do this thing I love, coach, teach, lead, organize, whatever it happens to be without you. Like it just softens the whole experience. So I, I think that front and center is really profound. Um, you know, the other the other really big part of the the ever growing length and I say severity because it starts to get cold and rigid and yeah. it feels less like boundaries. And more like mandates, yeah. which is really off-putting, is, you know, in terms of coaches being able to relate to parents is essentially just that, relate to them. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're a parent also, put that hat on. Mm-hmm. If they're not a parent, show that vulnerability and, and say, you know, I value my coaching, my teaching, my role I don't know what it's like to be a parent, but I do know that I need these boundaries. Yeah. Um, I think that's such an yeah. important piece to start with that. Cause you're right. I think the handbooks do get cold and rigid and I think severe is the right word. And it's, 
as a coach, I get it. Like they're getting longer because we've had problems, like because we've been had the overreaching parents or we've had the fights or we've had the issues. So we feel like we have to put up um, that like harsher tone to it. But I think you're right. It's like, if that's as a parent, if you receive this gigantic document that basically just says, here's all the things you parents can't do that, then you walk away with like, well, then what is, what, like, that doesn't feel good. It feels like an icky way to start it. And if a handbook, just as an example, but it's usually like one of the first things you're going to communicate to your parents. And so being able to start, as you said, with a sense of appreciation for what a parent's role is and where they can be helpful and positive and what you need from them uh, in a, like a good way as how they can support their athlete. Like that's a much better way to start rather than just here's all the don'ts and shoulds and stay away. Yes, exactly. Yeah. My few other thoughts on this are, you know, just really, they're, they're kind of awesome buzzwords or kind of buzz actions that Mm -hmm. exist out there right now. I think, I think the handbook could be shorter and it could actually be more productive for everybody involved if it included why, right? So I, you know, one that's a classic is the 24 hour rule, right? Don't approach the coach. (laughs) Don't let your kid approach it, right? Don't approach the teacher. Don't approach until 24 hours, right? And there is something magical about 24 hours that those of us who have been in positions of feeling attacked five minutes after something has happened Mm -hmm. (laughs) or vice versa, wanting to just, you know, I already said the the mama bear kind of thing comes into play. So there's too many assumptions about the implicit reasons for these handbooks and all that they include. Mm -hmm. And I think that misses a lot of what would soften and then improve the relationship between coaches and parents is more why. So the 24 hour rule, if we're going to go with that one as an example, well, why? Because emotions dissipate and that's important. So it doesn't mean emotions aren't valuable, but we all know that in the heat of the moment, emotions are intense and that if we can give it time, things don't necessarily go away. Mm -hmm. They just make more sense. So you know, high brain, we don't need to go into it. <laughs> a, a, a big, you know, cognitive um, dissertation here. But the reality is, is that our emotions cloud our cognitions. And so when our emotions are high, it clouds what makes sense. Yeah. So giving time, but, and coaches don't need to go into that, but the why. So why would it be important for this rule? Why is it important for that rule? So I think the why is important. Yeah. I think how, so very clear components within these roles, these handbooks is, so how, how as a parent, can I contribute? How as a parent, can I connect? How as a parent, is it appropriate for me to be involved? So the how piece of it is, is action. And I think that a lot of parents, by way of 
that original opportunity that they're providing, they want to stay engaged. And if coaches are like, Hey, yeah, stand back. (laughs) Yeah. Then parents are kind of, you know, if they're motivated people to provide these opportunities for their children, then it doesn't just end there. Mm-hmm. Like who of us are complacent enough to just sit there and not continue whying and howing <laughs> as, as the opportunity goes yeah. on. Um, and then my last one with the, the handbook and um, this, this is such a, its origins really come from their true professor sport mom. When I consider how coaches can better relate to parents is accountability. Mm -hmm. I think in that original handbook, in the original kind of boundaries, they can be shorter and sweeter if they actually provide a basis for accountability and not overshoot. Yeah. (laughs) In other words, let's, I would love a four page handbook for the season, for the, whatever the occasion is. And then I'd love to see it be followed through. Right. And in all my years, and I know I'm, you know, N of one, but I've got <laughs> two kids and have a lot of friends who have been in these spaces. And as parents, I recognize that it's hard on coaches to follow through. But what it does is it undermines the the whole premise of these handbooks because it starts a new season, you start a new class, you start a new endeavor with your child and you're like, okay, how many of these eight, you know, thousand parameters and boundaries are ultimately going to be upheld? Yeah. And then the last piece of that is what that does is it, 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 it cuts at the core of the respect that coaches want to garner more than anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. The whole idea is to have you seen as someone to respect, especially young coaches. And in it's probably true in other sports, but in dance, a lot of coaches are really young and you're trying to gain that respect. That's huge. Okay. I want to summarize that in like one little piece because there are so many good things in there about yeah. redoing a handbook or just thinking about it differently. So being able to start with the acknowledgement piece and more of the, uh, you know, I want to create this allyship. And I know you and I have used that word in other contexts, but saying like these, the parents are your allies. And if you present the handbook in that way, let's work together to help your dancer have the best experience that he or she can have in this context. So starting with the acknowledgement and then why are there rules, not just all the rules, adding the why, and then how, how parents can connect, how they can contribute, how they can, like you said, the action, let them do something. They want to do something, most of them. So let's direct them in the right path. Uh, and then the accountability piece, I think you're right, is huge. Because as a coach, if you want to hold the dancers accountable for the rules and you want to hold the parents accountable, then you have to do your part as well. And you laid these out. You have to make sure that that's followed through and followed through equally. I think that's where some, especially young coaches, get in trouble is it's like, well, the, you start to not apply handbook rules the same to everyone, which as you said, undermines all the trust and everything about it. So, uh, okay. Love it. Well said. Thank you. That was awesome. Okay. Um, another meme that I found that's fun. That says like, okay, it doesn't matter who wins or loses as long as the kids have fun said no real sport mom ever. (laughs) And that most parents are like, Oh, I just want my dancer to go have fun. I want her to, I want him to have, enjoy his time and learn dance. But it's like, okay, they say that, 
And but do they really? <laughs> and that how parents talk about winning and losing. Some parents will overtly say, we better win the state championship or we better, you know, my child better make that team or better have that role in the ballet. Like some are overt about it, but many of them will say like, as long as they're having fun, it's great, but they don't really feel that way. <laughs> it doesn't seem like, like their actions don't seem like they really feel that way. Uh, so I wanted to talk with you about how parents talk about winning and losing and or like how should a parent talk about winning and losing with their athlete, which is then maybe we could take that to say a coach could communicate this to a parent, but because that, that language is powerful. Yeah, it's really powerful. I think I have to lean on some research right away and that I, I think parents have picked up the proverbial torch on the just have fun idea and the adult perspective on fun being equal if not synonymous with winning, which we know is not true for youth and arguably coaches, especially educated, informed coaches know that fun and winning are not synonymous also. Mm -hmm. So what's happened is then parents are out here running along with the have fun, you Mm -hmm. know, you know, just have fun, whatever, not really knowing what that is, understanding that winning or success through performance is the most visible, um, socially evaluated thing that they can bear witness to in terms of their child's experience. And so when there's, when they're searching for something acceptable to say, the infill that is so predominant is, I just want my child to have fun. I just want them to be happy, but hence the meme. So I, I think memes <laughs> or Professor Sportmom thinks memes are really the satire of our society, especially yeah. within these, you know, extracurricular performance oriented contexts. And, and so they're really reflective of the things that are wrong <laughs> and have gone, gone awry. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that, if parents understood more of what their children wanted and that just takes a whole separate process, which it's interesting because I think to dismantle this and kind of unravel it maybe is the better way to say it. Like to unravel this would be a great place for coaches to connect with parents is like, Hey, as adults, we don't really know what kids want because we're not kids anymore and we have this adult perspective. So what is fun? What does make them happy? What else matters outside of the zero sum result that we have just hooked our wagons to in society where there's one winner, right? Mm -hmm. Only one team can win. Only one individual can perform the best, get the highest score. Yeah. Yeah. When do you think of that? No, I, I, I agree. I think it's, it, I like what you said that it's an opportunity to connect coaches and parents and have a conversation about what is, what is fun and what is success. And I think I talk a lot on this podcast, people who have listened for a while about what is success and that it's not just the top score, the top athlete, making the, making the team, getting the job, it's self-defined and being able to ask the athlete, okay, well, what, 
what is successful and what is fun and uh, having an opportunity, as you said, to have that conversation with parents, like, cause I, I've definitely had parents come at me um, about being upset that their child was like second or third or whatever. And then we rant for a while and I feel very attacked and it's this ugly conversation. And then we get to it and eventually the parent is like, well, actually, no, my, my daughter's fine. Like she was, their team is thrilled. I, and I'm just like, wait a minute, <laughs> why are you so mad if your child was really proud of that result? And there's that missed opportunity of like, why does the parent feel this need to fight for, you know, it should have been more or like, it's not worth it if we didn't win. And that that explicit conversation could happen and align with what your child actually wants. What a novel idea. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Mind blowing. Right. And, 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 you know, the, the other piece I want to pepper in here is that parents really forget and are not mindful of what is in and what is not in their child's control. Yeah. And a lot of winning success is outside of their control. There's a lot of other variables. Um, and so it's, it's why that meme is so paradoxical, right? It doesn't matter who wins or loses as long as kids have fun. It's our backfill and the, the collective struggle with the reality that a lot of times the win, the success is a happenstance. And on any other given day, with other judges, <laughs> with other teammates, different opponents, the ranking and the you know superiority or lack mm-hmm. thereof would would end up very different. Yeah. And so I think the other piece here is connection for coaches with parents is to help them identify within the dance culture, within the context of dance, what is in their child's or, or the dancer's control and what isn't yeah. to help really shine a light on where successes can come from mm-hmm. and and also the relative nature of failures and how that gives way to growth and development. Yes. Again, people who've followed me for a long time, my main phrase is control the controllables. And as you're talking, I'm like, I got that from you. <laughs> that probably came from you. And you're right though, but I don't always think about it as a parent identifying for themselves what is true for their child. I I talk to athletes mostly or talk to coaches. What's in your control as a coach? And that also important, but in this context for a parent to step back and say, what is in your, what is in my child's control? Therefore I need to celebrate the successes that are in their control and not be so hard on them or coaches for things that are not in their control, but that's an opportunity for a great conversation. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a, really great conversation because as adults, I think one of our weaknesses in terms of our impact and influence in youth extracurricular activity pursuits is this assumption that youth manipulate their effort, right? So Mm -hmm. effort is by definition in individual control, but it's flawed when we as adults who have sort of mastered that (laughs) Mm -hmm. negotiation of like, I'm going to hold back some effort to protect myself in case, right? Or I know how to go all out because I feel confident. It's a pretty big hot mess right now, in my opinion, within youth extracurricular activity pursuits, 
because we're imposing that adult model onto onto children when that's not natural. So they are not, you know, we're like, try harder, give it your all. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing more and more things where athletes are given voice and they're saying, I always give it my all. Why would I not? Yeah. (laughs) And so that's really fascinating to consider in terms of win, loss, success, and, and the circling all the way back to the idea of fun. It is by nature fun to put it all out there, which developmentally is present through the majority of youth. Yeah. Oh, that's very true. And we have, I think coaches, if we see dancers that we feel like they're not working hard enough or parents will think that their child is not like quote working hard enough, but you're right to the child. They're like, no, I, maybe I didn't produce the same high quality skill just in this moment, but that doesn't mean I didn't try. But if the message is just keep trying, just keep trying, you're like, but I am <laughs> like, that's, that's a mixed message to the athletes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I want to get to one other one because I think this is going to really help coaches connect with parents again as well. So talking about identity, which again is a topic I share a lot here, but in this case, talking about parents and help and how many parents tie their identity to their child's athletic success. And I think that's like the root of where conflict happens for parents and kind of like that parent I was just saying, who was so upset. It's like, if the child's not upset, then why are you so upset? I'm like, you're upset because it's your identity as like, what makes you a good parent is when your child wins and having that conflated identity sense. So uh, I guess I'll just ask if you see that identity connection in, in research, how do we help talk to parents about lessening that, loosening that identity tie, or I don't know what the best approach is to that. But Yeah. So it's real. <laughs> it's, it's not imagined. And it is, so a sport parent or a dance parent identity is as real as a identity that anyone holds in any activity that they engage in. The research on this is just, I love it. It's one of my favorite areas, <laughs> probably because I'm always trying to like ward it off, right? Like, yeah. no, 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 I get this. And so a lot of what we know about individual identity holds true here the interesting part comes from where it's confounded in um, by proxy, right? So it's, yeah. it's by proxy to one's child and then further conflated by this concept of worth um, and, and worth. So parental moral worth um, by definition um, comes from the work by Jay Coakley, because achievement in activities like dance or sport are so visible, um, it gives way to this concept of goodness and rightness for the parent when they are providing opportunity in which their child is succeeding and that success is so valued Mm -hmm. in our society. And so it's this, It's this, um, I mean, we see it everywhere now. I would imagine many who are listening 
you know, on their Facebook feeds or their Instagram <laughs> feeds yeah. throughout social media, we have this chest pounding, right? So it feels good. I mean, is it a humble brag? Is it a straight up brag? Whatever you want to call it, the reality is, is that it is a by proxy sense of worth. I am doing good by putting my child in a space where they are then succeeding and their success then reflects back on me as a parent doing good by them. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Keep up with all of that. Yeah, no, I, you're right. And I think the social media then just confounds it even more and makes it so much worse because there is the parent, like we don't see the parent always post if, if they didn't win or if it wasn't a best or if it wasn't, or like they won't talk about it. And I will say coaches, we tend to do this too. We're like, we have this huge giant social media hurrah when they do well. And then if they didn't place as well, you're just like, I'm proud of my team close instead of really digging in, like we said about all the different ways of success, but for parents sticking with that, it's the, the worth you're right. There is this, that sense that you are a better parent if your child is publicly successful. So it's like, I guess as a coach, then if that's real, as we said, sport parent identity is real, it's there. So first, just knowing that it's real and knowing that that's an important piece is helpful. Uh, But then is there a way to help parents understand like their role a little bit better? I don't know if this is the right time you have talked before about like those, the three M's of parenting, of being a sport parenting, if that's a way to kind of guide parents on how to understand their sport identity, but yet not let it hurt their athlete. Yeah. I think before that, it might be important. So the parent ident, the salience of the parent identity is also predicted by the extent to which they are narrowed in on the magnitude of that particular role in their life. So arguably any parent who is identifying very strongly as a dance parent they have other roles, mm-hmm. but they're not as salient. And some of the research is pointing to that being a result of investments of resources. Sure. So time, energy, money, um, the relationships that are formed. So, um, you know, if, if a dance mom is, makes really good friends with other dance moms, but yep. not as good of friends with other moms who aren't dance moms, yeah. then that's just going to reinforce the dance mom identity. Absolutely. And so for coaches to acknowledge, you know, it's another one of those connecting points where being able to maybe detect the intensity of the parent identity as being unidimensional in connection with their child, you know, seeing that as a red flag could be another place of connection to, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought there. That's okay. I was just thinking that, yeah, it's a, a, an awareness for the coach, but a connection with the parent that maybe it is just like earlier, we were saying, acknowledging it and understanding that that's real. And I think as a coach, you're right, that that's the parents that usually they're polarizing. So if the stronger their identity as a sport, sport parent, dance mom, dance dad, the stronger their identity, if it's healthy, it's wonderful. Like they're the ones who will host events for you and, you know, run errands and do all these great things. But if it's not the ones where the, such a strong identity is there is the ones who 
hurt the child and have the hardest relationship with the coach. So it's, it makes sense. You're right. That it's a source of it, the investments are a big part of that because and dance, like so many sports, dance is really expensive and it usually starts really young. And so if we're talking about like high school athletes now as a parent, you're like, I have been paying for dance for how many years now? Like, what am I getting out of this? Or why aren't we at this level? Or this is all I know. I'm a dance mom. This is my whole world. And I've definitely seen the graduating seniors, like the moms are struggling almost more than the dancers. Cause like, I don't know what to do with my life when my child is not dancing anymore. And that's a, like you said, a red flag, that like your sport mom identity is coming at the cost of other identities, right? It's you're losing other parts of you. Yeah. All of that is so spot on. Right. So it's, it's at the forsaking of other aspects of themselves and it's really treating so magnified what you just said. So, so vivid that the length of the career as a sport parent or a dance dad or dance mom is the culture of these extracurricular activities force parents to basically do the marathon that it is Mm -hmm. as a sprint. Yeah. And there's a, there's a constant scramble and clamoring for, is it ever enough? Am I doing enough for my kid? Am I, you know, that initial opportunity is, is never enough. And I'm sure that's taxing then for coaches because that's an identified career and it holds a different relative salience. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily as complicated or complicated in different ways. The other thing I was going to say in terms of what coaches can do to help parents see their identity, not being tied specifically to their child's outcomes or their talent is to provide parents more breadth and depth in terms of how they can see their child. So we're experts in this, right? Mm -hmm. We know, and who knew that it was really like a secret bag of tricks (laughs) to look for other victories Yeah. besides the score, the outcome, the win. So we can see challenge being overcome. We can see where there's perseverance. We can see where there's a small tweak to a particular skill that gives way to it looking differently or being able to perform something that seemed out of reach. But the majority of parents out there have no idea. (laughs) They actually have no idea. (laughs) Right. And so they don't know to look for anything else. And then they tie their identity to what is visible on behalf of their child's performance. Right. Oh yeah. No, I think that's really important because there's the, a coach's assumption that a parent would know to look elsewhere, but we don't, that's all we share. That's all we post. That's all we talk about. And so maybe it's an opportunity in this early kind of preseason handbook, you know, parent meeting kind of conversation to talk about like my coaching philosophy and my, you know, how I approach success is to look for these things like perseverance and who's been trying to get this skill for months and they keep fighting for it. And the ones who are, you know, adapting, just explaining all of that and saying, that's success to me as a coach. That's what I'm celebrating. And as a parent, if you can be an ally in this with me, and like, if you hear that your child is working really hard on a skill that, you know, maybe they're not able to compete it yet, but they're still working on it. Like celebrate that with your child. Don't get mad that they're not competing it yet. 
and I think there's that, it's like, well, why haven't you done it? Why can't you, you know, be in that routine? Why can't you compete that skill? And if the child is actually really working on it, like that's a huge area of celebration, but your parents just want to see it done and successful. Um, but a place for coaches to bring parents in on that information and share, this is how I want my program to feel and to run. Um, can you kind of come alongside me in that with your kid? Yeah. 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 I mean, things like how they hold their bodies, how they show up, how they work with their teammates or their, you know, the, mm -hmm. their peers, how do they communicate? So there's lots of little victories that yeah. coaches can help parents learn to celebrate that go above and beyond. And, and ultimately they do contribute to the wins and the, the sort of public social media brag worthy, yeah. <laughs> you know, traditional things that parents have picked up the torch to carry. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, we have already shared so many great things and I wanted to get into the three M's of sport parenting, as I said before, which is the three kind of roles that parents can play in the sport relationship. Uh, but I feel like it's its own thing. So maybe we hold that for a part two. Uh, and if you are listening and this has brought up questions or you want to share stories of sport parents or how you might handle different situations, uh, we would love to hear from you. Now, now we have to do a part two because we have so much more to share. So if you want to submit a question or share stories or ask questions about sport parenting, that's uh, you can always leave a voice note for the podcast. That's at chelseaparati.com slash message. And it's in the show notes. So uh, Dr. Megan, you'll come back and do part two with me for through three M's and kind of share more about sport parents. Absolutely. Looking forward to it already. Good. Yes. I think they're so good, everybody. So we'll come back. Um, but let's wrap this one up. Uh, any last thoughts on kind of how coaches can try to use what we've talked about today to have a better relationship with their dance parents? Yeah, I think the biggest takeaways are that parents can be allies. The opportunity, again, to work with youth comes by way of parents providing that opportunity. And they don't know what they don't know. And so a great way to connect with parents and certainly the motivation would be there, is to teach them as an extension to what you teach your dancers and what you teach your athletes. Um, assuming that parents know how to occupy their role as sport parents or dance parents is somewhat flawed. And so, yes, that puts more on the coach, the teacher, the leader. But in the end, that that could be less of a burden and more of a blessing because then the impact is greater. It's, it's to the whole family and yeah. then positive relationships are built and the breadth of outcomes um, is that much greater. Yes. Agreed. Thank you so much. And before we leave, I would love for you to share if uh, people are listening, they need more on this, you know, relationships and understanding sport parents, you have mindful sport parenting. Will you share a little bit about where people can find you in your work? Yes, you can find mindful sport parenting, which is a virtual community of practice intended to create connection, uh, access to evidence-based resources and provoke discussion among parents in the extracurricular activity achievement mm -hmm. <laughs> and performance space. 
Um, Mindful Sport Parenting can be found at mindfulsportparenting, all one word, dot com. We're on Instagram at Mindful Sport Parenting and on Facebook at Mindful Sport Parenting as well. That's wonderful. And to clarify for my listeners, is this something that a, they would share with a parent, right? Like a community is for the parents. Yes. So it's a community of practice for sport parents. But yeah, there's so many great resources there for parents who might, like you said, if they are, their dance mom is identity is real strong and they want to be involved in a positive way. This is a really a good thing to send their direction and help them. Yes. Yeah. Build that more positive relationship. Wonderful. Well, thank yeah. you so much for being here and sharing all your expertise. Uh, I appreciate it so much. It's just, it's fun for me too, personally, to kind of come full circle, but we'll be back for part two as well. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Looking forward to part two.